Hi, welcome to CREI's Wide Open Podcast. I'm Ann Hambly, the founder and CEO of First Service Solutions, and we serve as a borrower advocate of all property types in uh, commercial real estate industry. I'm happy today to have Lee Hunter, who's the COO of Hunter Hospitality. I've known uh, Lee, you and your family, your dad, for a long time, and I know you've been, I kind of think of you as just an expert in the hospitality industry, and I know you've got you know more than 20 years of that, but if you want to elaborate at all all on uh, Hunter Hospitality, that'd be great. And then we can hop into some questions here. Yeah, no, um, yeah, yeah, you say over 20 years. I started doing this in 1994, officially, I guess unofficially, with my father having started our firm, and now my brother and I both there. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been doing it unofficially longer since 19. 19- since before 1994. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, we're hotel brokers. Um, We handle investment sales um, with respect to hotel assets on a national basis. We, you know, I sit in Atlanta, but we have offices down in Miami, uh, Orlando, Jacksonville, up in New York, uh, and out in Los Angeles. So, you know, we cover everything um from from east coast to west coast and uh you know north to south so uh, but all within the hotel space and so you know i'll know hotel people in seattle or new york or la but i won't know retail or multifamily or industrial uh people here in atlanta so it's it's kind of funny you host, by the way, a really great conference every year. I've been uh, I've been going to it for a long time, and it's always is it always in Atlanta, but the Hunter Hotel. It's always in Atlanta. Every March, it was actually we just had it last week, and we had well over seventeen hundred wow. people in person at a conference in downtown Atlanta, and nobody was wearing masks, and it was absolutely fantastic. Love it. I know I went to your conference in twenty one. And it was the first live conference me and a lot of other people had been to since COVID hit. So anyway, very, very good conference. And I think you're the conference chair of that. So congrats on that great conference. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the chairman of the conference, uh, but I have a team that helps uh, run that three ring circus. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of work, though. But so let me ask you some questions. I think our listeners, uh, one of the things I'd like to have you talk about is um, help us understand. Sometimes we tend to say retail, office, hospitality, and hospitality is all lumped together. And we talk about the performance of hospitality like it was one product. Um, talk about the different, uh, we're even hearing some new terms now, bleisure and stuff. So talk to us about the various types of hospitality. And then I want to talk to you a little bit more about how those various types are performing in this day and age post-COVID, you know? Sure. Well, you know, to start with, large majority of hotels are franchised in that, you know, Marriott does not necessarily own the Marriott or Hilton does not necessarily own the Hilton, but you know other people, whether they be partnerships, REITs, publicly traded C-Corps, um, own and operate the, the real estate in the hotel under a franchise agreement from the brand. So actually quite, there's very little um, real estate that's actually owned by the brands. Um, so you'll, a lot of times, 
again, if you get a real estate investment trust that specializes in, is in, in hotels, you know, they will own the Four Seasons or the Ritz-Carlton or the Hampton Inn as to where Four Seasons Marriott actually owns the Ritz-Carlton brand, um, you know, does not. They're all hotels are franchised and people operate the hotels under a franchise agreement with that respective brand. Now, within the hotel space, we have, generically speaking, full service hotels and select service hotels. Full service hotels would be what you would you might normally consider has, you know, restaurants, meeting space, bars, you know, F&B outlets, you know, your typical, you know, your Marriott Marquis, your Ritz Carlton, your Four Seasons, those are all considered, you know, full service hotels. And then you, you know, come down to what you would consider a select service or limited service hotel. And basically those are smaller hotels that do not really have an F&B component to them. So think of a, a Hampton Inn or a Holiday Inn Express. Okay, it may have a continental breakfast um, in play for the morning, but for the most part, and it may have a small, you know, meeting room that can suit, you know, 10 to 15 people. But for the most part, it's limited, it's select in the services they provide. So that's where you get your, your breakdown of your two, you know, generic types of hotels, full service, uh, select service. It breaks down a lot more than that. But from a 30,000 foot perspective, that's what that's the generic uh, understanding that people need to have as to what hotels look like from a, either a full service or a select service. And the, uh, so talk about now then the difference in the performance. I, I really was thinking, and maybe you could clarify this for me, the full service hotels, do all of them have the conference capacity or capability in them? Or are there some that focus more on conferences than others? Uh, from a generic full service perspective, yes, they all have meeting space and conference okay. capabilities. Now the question gets to be how much meeting space do they have? Do they have, you know, 25, 50,000 square feet of meeting space, or do they have, you know, a hundred plus thousand square feet of meeting space? Uh, usually the more square footage the hotel has of meeting space, the more guest rooms they have. So. The Marriott Marquis in downtown Atlanta, where we host our conference, you know, has about 125,000 square feet of meeting space, um, but it also has 1,600 guest rooms. Uh, as to where there's a new um, full-service Hilton-branded property being developed uh, right next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in downtown Atlanta, um, while it's going to have about six, 700 guest rooms, it's only going to have 75,000 square feet of meeting space. And I say only because it's being built right. It's got Mercedes-Benz Stadium on one side and the Georgia World Congress Center on the other side. So the larger meeting um, groups, the larger conferences, it's designed to, okay, you'll use the guest rooms at this new hotel, but for the meeting space, you'll predominantly go next door and use the Georgia World Congress Center. Okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So how are the, uh, when we talked, uh, when COVID first hit, I remember vividly in 2020, um, the, we, you know, talking to special servicers, the biggest question was, we know the hotel's not performing today, no income coming in, but when will it recover? Right. And, that, and so we saw all kinds of uh, projections, you know, about 2023, 2024, and they were different by conference uh, hotels or not. So 
full service versus not. How do you think, in your view, this is Lee Hunter's view, of course, in your role, but how do you think it's turned out, um, or how is it? how are the hotels performing today in those two primary segments? in 2020, you know, mid-2022? Uh, the select service space is far better than the full service space. Across, you know, generically speaking, uh, select service mm-hmm. has, has fared and bounced back significantly faster than the full service properties. When you look at, and, and even more so, it breaks down to, you know, where are you, you located? If you're a, a big box hotel, you know, think the Marriott Marquis in Times Square up in Manhattan. That property is dependent mm. upon conferences, mm. depending upon meetings, um, dependent upon, you know, inbound international travel to the U.S. Uh, that property is still hurting right now. You know, but the, mm. you know, Hampton Inn and Panama City Beach, it's doing better now than it was in 2019. Why? Because it's in a leisure market. Uh, it's select service. It's not dependent upon business and corporate travel or large meetings. It's dependent on leisure travel and leisure markets, whether they be in Florida or California or, you know, the mountain states, leisure markets have recovered very nicely. Thank you. So, you know, this, you know, mm-hmm. we know we always like to say, you know, or at least I always like to say the hotel business was, is and always will be a street corner business and just because my street corner is doing very well does not mean your street corner is doing very well uh, and that can be within the same city um, there there are mm-hmm. sub markets here in Atlanta that you know have yet to recover um, but then again there are sub markets yeah. here in Atlanta that are at 2019 performance levels yeah uh, yeah, it's super hard. I get to generalize, and and I, and I think what I'm just trying to do is sort of in a general answer based on the hospitality yep. segment of the market. But you're right. I mean, I think we all know location matters for everything, and it's all dependent. Every answer yeah. is it depends, but that's a good, very good, very good uh, general answer. And this is another really, really, really general question. But since you guys are you know, Hunter Hospitality is one of the leading hospitality brokers. Do you think we're more in a, for hospitality, a buyer market or a seller market? Or is that a fair way to even try to think about it? I would, uh, short answer, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And, and by, by that, I mean, you know, we bring, we're bringing assets to market right now and we're talking with would-be buyers and, you know, their attitude is, wow, at that price, I'm a seller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, okay. Um, you know, we, we sold several assets for a client. Uh, we closed in the second half of 21 that just in March of 20, so, you know, a little over 12 months prior, the assets that we sold closed you know, he no longer owned uh, 14 months, 15 months later, um, you know, at that time he was saying, I'm not ever selling these hotels. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we talked to him during COVID and, you know, COVID changed the world for a lot of hotel owners. Yeah. Um, you know, 
both on the buy and sell side. You know, right now, a lot of the groups that were buying assets in 21 that are also buying assets in 22 are the private equity funds. You know, they raised hundreds of millions of dollars in 19 with the idea of spending that money in 20, and they obviously did not spend that money in 20. So they came, you know, roaring out of the gates in 21, you know, and it got, everything got bid up. Yeah. So, you know, and there's still a tremendous amount of equity capital out there looking to be placed. So we're seeing clients who, you know, they own, you know, call it 15, 20, 30 hotels saying, huh, and some more, obviously, um, saying, hmm, I don't want to sell my entire portfolio, but maybe now is a good time to take chips off the table if pricing uh, in the market for assets that I own you know, is what it is. And Lee, you've proven that it is what it is because you've actually closed deals at that price point. Then you know what? At that price, I'm a seller. Yeah. Um, and here's here are the keys. So, you know what we're seeing it that you're uh, shedding a lot of light on what we, we kind of see. We, you know, we work with owners that have uh, commercial real estate or that have CMBS debt primarily. And we work with the servicers to help the owner get some kind of relief or something. In the meantime, we've had a lot of people approach us in the last um, year and a half that have raised money to buy distressed hospitality. And so um, what we're finding and seeing is that there just isn't there, I'm not seeing any depressed sales, you know, necessarily. I mean, there is a lot of capital out there, and it seems like things are, are just not selling at distressed prices like I think people anticipated. I, I don't, do you, your opinion of that, is that just the amount of capital or, I, you know? Well, I think the distress never materialized. Yeah. You know, if we think back to March of 20, April of 20, you know, everyone, I mean, you're exactly right. Everybody was raising money left and right yeah. to go buy distressed hotel assets. Right. But that distress never yeah. materialized, right? I mean, all the lenders out there understood, you know, hey, nobody's traveling. So it's not that my hotel has done something wrong operationally. Right. They haven't done anything wrong from there. You know, an old asset that should be renovated you know, there is this worldwide pandemic going on and no one can travel. So what we actually saw was, you know, what you and I back in the old days would call extend and pretend, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Where everybody said, okay, I mean, whether they, you know, where you don't, I mean, I saw it numerous times. You owe me no mortgage payment, mm -hmm. no debt service payment for 12 months. Right, right. We'll roll it all on the back end and we'll just act you know you got a, a year of nothing to pay and then you know we'll we'll, we'll roll it on the back end and we'll, we'll keep going well so when that happened you know there was no all of a sudden you know no lenders were standing there foreclosing no you know servicers standing there with anybody to to deal with bad debt because everything got you know kicked down the road right and and then as we approached you know March, April of 21. Okay, now we're, you know, 12 months removed. People are going to start having to pay debts, make debt service payments. Are a are they going to be able to, you know, cover any of that debt service out of operations, you know, or are they going to have to reach into their pocket? 
if they have to reach into their pocket, how deep are those pockets and how often do they want to reach into them? Mm -hmm. And for the most part, I mean, there have been some distressed sales. There have been assets that have been taken back over by either the servicer or the, you know, the balance sheet lender. But those assets were in trouble pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, COVID just pushed them over the edge, right? Right. So for the most part, everybody's either been able to cover their debt service payments or at least some portion thereof. So now when they're reaching into their pocket, you know, they don't have to reach very deep. Yeah. Uh, and they're hoping they're not going to have to reach very often. Again, as I've said, you know, a lot of the, the leisure markets, a lot of the select service assets, and, and really the extended stay assets, which are really nothing more, you know, nothing more than a glorified apartment at some levels. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those assets have, again, as I've said, are back to 19 levels and in some cases higher. So those assets are cash flowing very well. So what we're seeing is, you know, owners rob Peter to pay Paul, right? right? right. They're getting a lot ton of cash flow out of, you know, the hotel in Atlanta and they're using that excess cash flow to cover debt service on their hotel and you know i don't know uh new york city mm -hmm. right yeah. so you know there's there's not as much distress from an asset perspective in the market today as certainly everyone was expecting it's yeah. there don't get me wrong it's not that it's not there right but it's there in assets that were in trouble pre-covid yeah and like i said COVID's just pushed them over the edge. That's right. And another solution we've seen is sometimes people bring in outside capital in a JV or preferred equity kind of situation to help bridge the gap, you know, for the shortfalls. But yeah, yep. that's what we've been seeing too, though, what you described. So it's always co uh, comforting to know that we're not like missing all these opportunities for distressed yeah. <laughs> sales. They just aren't there, you know, and that's a good thing for the market. I mean, it's yeah. a good thing, but I mean, like you said, I mean, all the a lot of the stress funds that we saw when the the distress did not materialize, you know, and then it becomes the fourth quarter of twenty, and they were expecting distress to materialize, you know, second and third quarter of twenty, you know, they quickly pivoted to okay, we'll be you know rescue capital, right? We'll come in and help you pay down your your debt service will will help you you know do that pip that you might have to do to bring your property back so you know there's there's been a lot that that capital that was raised to acquire distress quickly became rescued yeah that was where it was needed so that was good right well yep. any anything any last parting words you want to leave on the hospitality industry otherwise um i so appreciate your time today lee and it was really nice to talk to you any, any no, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I, I would, I would say, you know, we talk about who's buying and who's selling it. What the interesting part, um, you know, RCA tracks who's buying and who's selling, right? Mm -hmm. And when you look at, it, we we laughed internally because this group happens to be a client of ours on both sides of the equation. But when you look at who the largest seller of hotel assets was in 2021. And who the largest buyer of hotel assets was in 2021? It was the same group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is and, funny. You know, that, that being Blackstone, <laughs> right? And, I don't know if that's ever we, happened before. We, yeah, yeah. We represent Blackstone on both the buy and sell yeah. side. So you know, and I 
personally think they're some of the smartest guys in the room. So when they're buying and selling at the same time, you know, that tells me that you either won whatever, whatever side of that equation you happen to be on, uh, you're, you're on the right side because they're doing (laughs) it. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's great. I love it. It was a great, great way to recap. So when I asked you if it was a buyer or seller market and you said yes, that was a great answer. <laughs> My uh, grandson always answers me with yes and no, always. And I hate that, but sometimes that is absolutely case. So <laughs> in this case, it, it, it worked. Well, thanks again, Lee. Appreciate it. You have a great rest of your day. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm, bye-bye.